0: Welcome to the State of the Nonprofits, an MSS podcast. I'm the Executive Director of MSS and your host, Autumn Vest. This podcast was created to start conversations and explore the challenges and successes of nonprofits in West Texas. In this episode, we're digging in on some of the greatest challenges facing our region. I'm happy to welcome my friend, Libby Campbell, CEO of the West Texas Food Bank.
1: Hi Libby. Hey Autumn, how are you today?
0: I'm great, thanks so much for being here. No problem. It's spring break week. And you're taking time to come in and have a conversation. This episode won't drop till later on, but thank you
1: for that. I know you're on time with kids, so. Absolutely. I definitely have time with the kiddos this week. So it is spring break. So um, I was actually in town today when you called. And so it just worked out that I could make it.
0: Before we get started, um, for our recording library of West Texas and visually impaired listeners, we're going to take a moment to describe ourselves. I am five foot two. I'm a brunette with a pixie hairstyle and teal green glasses. Today, I'm wearing a teal green hooded cardigan, a seafoam green
1: knit blouse, and jeans. Libby, would you describe yourself? I have on leggings and Uggs and like an oversized vest and a like flannel. Henley shirt, but I have really long, dark brunette hair, big brown eyes.
0: Libby, you're the CEO of the West Texas Food Bank. Give me a snapshot, a look at what you guys are seeing
1: and and who you're serving right now. The West Texas Food Bank, we serve 19 counties. is equivalent to 34,000 square miles of West Texas. Before COVID, you know, we were considered to be a a small rural food bank Um, in the state of Texas. There are 21 food banks in the great state. We were considered to become one of the smaller ones. We don't really compete very well with the largest food bank in the country, which is in Houston. And within the top five in the country, Dallas and San Antonio are usually somewhere always kind of rolling around in the top five. So we were always kind of, you know, in the middle of the bottom tier. Since COVID, you know, we just finished our fiscal year really at the end of September, and we did 14.2 million pounds distributed to those 19 counties versus the 6.3, 6.4 we were seeing before COVID. If You think about unduplicated clients that were serving our neighbors. We used to have around 40,000, 50,000 clients a year that were unduplicated. It means if we just counted them who saw us once. Now we're pushing over 90,000 people that we're seeing just once a year. If we really looked at how many times we're having to see them over and over and over because they're stuck in the situation they're in, we're looking closer to 130, 140,000 people a year, which really puts us into a class of a middle-sized, mid-food bank now in the state of Texas. Why are we seeing that? Why do we keep seeing increases? Why can't we get a handle on it? I think because we have some other pressures outside of our control, um, not just with COVID. COVID's over. You know, yeah. like, like COVID COVID's dead in the water. We're just going to put those masks aside and and just move forward with life. Right. But COVID has definitely left a, an impact on yeah. on our region, on our state and even on our country and even on the world. Why would global affect your local food bank here in rural West Texas? But it does. Yeah. We're seeing more and more of our elderly clients here on fixed income. So, of course, what what is what is hitting that? That is inflation. We know USDA is, is predicting this year alone that we'll see another 8.6 increase in the cost of your in-home groceries. So that means what you're going to go purchase at the grocery store, on average, you're going to see an increase of 8.6% in your grocery bill. So who does that affect? That affects elderly who are on a fixed income. March 1st, the state of Texas did remove SNAP benefit, the emergency amount that has been allotted since COVID, that extra amount that you've been seeing for SNAP recipients, that was removed. So we're already starting to see an increase from those recipients. We saw a 23% increase alone just in our drive throughs the first two weeks of March when they lost those benefits. Well, those benefits were actually helping offset some of the inflation. So again, inflation is affecting elderly. It's affecting people who are on SNAP. The other thing with inflation is you're seeing people that maybe never needed our services before that were kind of in that middle class group are now actually being pushed into a category of poverty. If you're even you're getting a five or eight percent increase in your pay every year, but you're dealing with, you know, really in our region a nine to ten percent inflation rate, you're you're running in the red. Yeah. So those people are forced to come see us now too. So we've increased our elderly population, we've increased people who were on SNAP benefits or who have lost benefits. We're now having to, to, to serve those neighbors. state of Texas is one of the few states left in the union who still have a vehicle asset verification in our state to qualify for SNAP benefits. Our elderly population's cars are now worth more than they were a year ago. Wow. It's going against their assets, which means it's pushing them off of SNAP benefits. Where are they going? They're going to, to your food bank. We're seeing more and more people are, who are having to come in because of literacy issues, because they can't get good paying jobs, because they're struggling at some of the demands. Now they're seeing with more and more of computer technology and those kind of things. They're having to come in and get resources, too, because they just can't keep up with the job market. So then we want to talk about another topic, which is immigration. <laughs> You're just going all the way down the road. I mean, I can just (laughs) kick this can, ladies, all day. But, you know, immigration, we are seeing a huge issue with that at our food bank. You're talking Presidio, Terrell, Brewster. We've got all that area that is a big region. We have a problem with immigration. We have people that are seeking asylum. They are crossing our border. They are taken to Alpine. They're kind of checked in there because we don't have really a major checkpoint like El Paso or even like Eagle Pass or Laredo has. And then from there, they're actually bused to Midland Odessa. And we have a Homeland Security ICE office here. They're given their registration packets, which has their court date on to see if they're able to stay. They usually have a sponsor family here in our area. And then from there, their court dates two to three years away. Yeah, that's wild. And so then from there, we, we have people who are seeking asylum. They are coming into our area and it may only be an eight or 10% increase that we're seeing in our numbers a month, but it's been steady like that for over a year now. We know that we have an immigration. We know we have problems with inflation. We know that we have problems with our elderly community. We know that literacy is also affecting the job market. And those are all things that are increasing the need within your food bank having to serve the 19 counties that we do. We work with over 100 different nonprofits in those 19 counties, and we know our partner agencies are seeing increases in their lines. We know that we have the highest kiddos enrolled right now in food to kids that we've ever had. Close to 4,000 kiddos a weekend we're feeding in that backpack program for kids who don't see lunch from Friday until Monday morning. We know we have the highest enrollment we've ever seen in our school pantries. We know that our college universities with school pantries are having issues with keeping up with the need of our college students who are trying to improve their education, who are trying to get to that next step so they don't need services like the food bank. We know that our senior box program has a wait list right now. We know that we're distributing more food than we ever have. Last month alone, you know, even with a short month, we did over a million pounds. Our bills are going up just like everyone else's. We're paying more for food. So those are all issues of why we're seeing what we're seeing. And it's increasing Last week alone at the Odessa facility, we had a huge problem with traffic. We had close to 800 cars wrapped around the West Texas Food Bank Odessa campus looking for resources.
0: And it's not just the food bank. You talk about your partners and even those agencies that don't partner with you. Every nonprofit in this region is seeing an increase. They have wait lists for their services. They have been overrun and the cost of providing those resources is increasing. And so Nonprofits are struggling with not only the ability to meet the needs of the clients, but to meet their own needs as well. I know at MSS, we have seen a huge increase in just the cost of doing business with utilities and vendors. It's a trickle down snowball effect.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're talking about our fuel costs. We're talking about, you know, we have tires that get blown on our fleet of trucks. We're looking at the cost of insurance. The cost of us to do business has, has definitely increased. Yep. And, you know, we're, we're very blessed and we're very grateful at the food bank that our community continues to support us by giving donations, you know, by the of their treasure, by donations of their time. There's so many nonprofits in our area that truly are acting as a safety net right now that are holding our communities together. You get into the rural communities and they even have less resources and their expenses are even higher than ours because yeah. the further you get out and the more isolated you are, the, the more things yeah. cost. The more it costs to get those things to you. And so we're seeing a huge increase in our rural communities. If you live in Sanderson, you've got to drive to Fort Stockton to go to the grocery store. They don't have The money anymore to spend on gas on that 120 mile round trip to go between Sanderson, Fort Stockton and back. Um, They're relying more and more on their pantries. They're relying more and more on their nonprofits and their very small communities. Their county judges are really having to lean in and take care of those places. I think that we are at a pivotal point mm-hmm. of where your nonprofits are, are keeping stability within your communities. And it's really important to support your nonprofits for us to continue to provide stability.
0: And I think that's such an important point. We are, and I've heard, I've heard you say it and I've heard others say it, that we are a safety net for our communities. We're holding them together. And one of the challenges that we have ourselves is being able to not only provide the resources to do those things, but to have the people on hand in order to do that. At the end of last year, we launched the State of the Nonprofit Study, and we're in the process of compiling all of that. We had 116 valid responses, and they identified the greatest challenges as inflation, immigration, literacy, and employment. And it's keeping people on their teams for what nonprofits are able to pay and being able to find those people who will do the work with excellence in the kind of sector that we are is a big challenge.
1: The West Texas Food Bank, we are governed, basically, we are overseen by a group called Feeding America. There is only 200 food banks in the country that are lucky enough to be certified or kind of under that Feeding America umbrella. Um, And then in the state of Texas, there's 21 food banks. You know, we're kind of overseen by another group, which is Feeding Texas. What's interesting about us is that we get to use the Feeding America pay scale because of Feeding America um, and how they value every position and what every food bank in the country is paying. They base it upon the tier of how many pounds you do a year, what your expenses are, um, how many employees you have on staff. And then they do a, a cost of living evaluation, too, on our region. And it's very specific. Based on what's going on in your region and then inside your community, there's some flexibility under Feeding America of where you can pay. And I am very grateful that we've been able to kind of use that to justify some of the pay jumps that we've done in the last three years Mm -hmm. to make sure that we can keep our people on staff. The thing that we've had a really hard time with is finding drivers, you know, which has always been an issue for us because we do battle against the oil field. Sure. So when oil is doing well, everybody wants to go drive in the oil field. Not everybody wants to go drive at your food bank because we just can't keep up with the pay. Of course, It's a challenge, yeah. you know, like we have to be able to pay our people in nonprofit. We are the safety net of our communities and staffs and your CEOs and your EDs throughout the community. We are all carrying a large mental toll i can tell you what a hurricane's going to look like i can tell you 3 days before it makes landfall what we're going to do i can tell you a week later what we're going to do i can tell you 3 weeks later what's needed and then even 3 to 6 months right and then i can tell you when it's going to end This hasn't ended. Yeah. Three years later, your entire nonprofit community, we have rallied around our community and the neighbors we've needed to serve and each other. And yet three years later, we're still dealing with this kind of mental pounding of when does it stop? Mm-hmm. And we keep looking down this tunnel and we see a light coming in. It's like, is it a light out of the tunnel or is it a train that still is coming toward us?
0: So, you know, there's there's a lot of negativity happening. There's a lot of hard challenges facing our sector, our community, and it's seems like there's, like you said, there's a light at the tunnel. We just don't know what it is yet. (laughs) But I do think there's a lot of good. I was going to say, there's a silver lining there. There is, you mentioned earlier, our community has stepped in and, and surrounded our nonprofits, not just the West Texas Food Bank, nonprofits across our region. Let's talk about Permian Basin Gives for a lot of our smaller nonprofits and the awareness that has happened. You know, the influx of support that's come from donors, not just in the Permian Basin Gives, but in just carried us all through COVID. I mean, our nonprofits came through globally pretty strong because of the philanthropy in this community.
1: Absolutely. What I love about Permian Basin Gives, and we try to be a little bit quieter during Permian Basin Gives because we really want to highlight our hundred partner agencies that we work with and even some of our fringe agencies that aren't a direct recipient of food from the West Texas Food Bank, but we still partner with Safe Place. Yeah. We're still doing things with the Literacy Coalition. We're still working on mental health at centers. You know, like we're all still working together. We're all trying to reduce the amount of neighbors who need our services. That's the overall goal of any nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Even if it might be listed a little different in your mission statements, it's still the same. We want to work ourselves out of a job. That's what would be really cool. But to watch the community rally around some of the nonprofits that maybe don't get as much Plug, I guess you could say, but who are truly vital to making their communities run is an amazing gift from Permian Basin Gives. I think that there are people in our community and there's corporations who have continually stepped up and said, we are going to make sure that you have X, Y, and Z so you can continue to function or we wouldn't be where we are today. And it's not just about the treasure that they give. It's about the time they spare of their employees. It's about people who are taking time out on Saturdays to go volunteer with their kiddos in between soccer games. It's about people who are getting involved in junior achievement, who are trying to make sure our kids are getting what they what they need there. Um, You know, it's people who are donating their time to to our senior programs, you know, Mm -hmm. or who are even showing up just at the senior centers in their in their neighborhoods and to go just talk to their seniors and people who are caring about our fuzzy animal friends. You Mm -hmm. know, like we partner a lot with the humane societies in all of our communities. It's furry animals. Maybe that's not your number one thing, but it is mental health for our people who are isolated. Every piece of our community has figured out a way to support each other. But we are at a pivotal point. Yeah, we've we've got to pay livable wages for our nonprofit community staff. You know, like we just have to because we can't continue to keep having a revolving door of people leaving or can't afford to stay or or those kinds of we've got to to be sustainable. We have to be. If nothing else, from the last three years of everything we've been through and we're continuing to go through, I would hope that people realize how important nonprofits are to your community. All of our nonprofits provide critical services. I think each one of our nonprofits in a way is critical. Absolutely. You know, and I think sometimes maybe some fires are burning brighter than others, Mm -hmm. but they're all fires.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Libby, thank you for being here
1: today, for joining us in the Recording Library of West Texas. Well, thank you for having me. I'm always welcome to come on. And, you know, the Food Bank, we always see a lot of different things from across the region that we serve because we partner with so many different nonprofits and we have such exposure to so many different neighbors in which we serve. So we're always just happy to come come by and chat.
0: Yeah, you've got a lot of great information about what's happening statistically in our region and what you guys are seeing because you are serving such a large area of people. And so a lot of the knowledge that you have impacts a lot of our nonprofit friends and our community members that are listening in. Thank you to the Recording Library for partnering with us in production of State of the Nonprofits. Subscribe to our podcast so that you will receive notifications when new episodes drop, and we will see you on the next episode.